know, like it or not, this isn't the old days of, of practicing architecture where you had a job and you like it. I mean, the talent war is on and you're going to go work somewhere else if, if you're not getting what you want out of it. Welcome to Archispeak, a podcast about all things architecture. My name is Neil Pan. Join me and my co-hosts, Evan Troxel and Cormac Phelan, every other week as we explore what it is like to work in the profession of architecture. Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Or perhaps you know exactly what it is like as you've been working in the profession for a long time and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture. It's time for some Arcuspeak. Welcome to episode 86 of the Arcuspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Arcuspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com. We're also sponsored by DBI or David Brown International. And a new sponsor, Drobo. We'll talk more about each of them later in the show. And we do have one friend of the show. They want to remain anonymous. But uh, I just wanted to give them a real quick uh, war eagle. They know who they are. All right. And before we jump into whatever we're going to talk about tonight, we wanted to mention that uh, if anybody has not seen it, the Young Architects Forum publishes an e-magazine and had us in there. And we kind of talked about... How the podcast started. So that's kind of a cool little jump back into history. We don't talk about that stuff too much. So we thought it would be cool to just put a link to that in the show notes. The magazine is called Connection, and it was a special uh, issue about media, focus on media. So they talked about all different kinds of things. There's a lot of articles in there. And Arcaspeak happened to be one of them. And Laura Teagarden over there at the YAF, she interviewed us over text messages. So that's kind of a cool way to, to do an interview. We'd never done that before. Yeah. So we just wanted to mention it, and uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and everybody should check that out if they're interested in kind of the origin story of Arcaspeak. And also, if you wanted to become a friend of the show, you can do that at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate, and any donation over $5 will get your name read on the air if you choose. If you choose not to, you just let us know. We'll do an anonymous shout-out to you as well. And I think that's it. You guys have anything to add to that? I quit. <laughs> did you already do that? <laughs> totally did that. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah, you quit. Let's talk about it. Why do people... Uh, well, all right. So <laughs> there's, there's a great article. We'll, we'll have a link in the show notes for it. It's called Nine Things That Make Good Employees Quit. And that's uh, kind of what we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. So why do people quit, Evan? Yeah, this is an article from last year, middle of last year, and we've just kind of had it in the archives here, just waiting to talk about it. And we thought it would be a good time to talk about it now because, Neil, you changed jobs. Cormac, you changed jobs uh, a little while ago. Not not, not this week. <laughs> and uh, and so, not yet. And uh, so we, we just thought because it is such a, uh, a talent war out there right now, we kind of wanted to talk about, I think... We'll talk a little bit about why people quit, and this will probably lead into an episode about how to keep people, <laughs> because yeah. that's really, I think, 
something we we want to talk about is because um, retention is becoming has been such a big issue. Uh, we definitely should talk about that as well. But there's a lot of reasons why people quit, and uh, the, I guess the thing that I hear I get this out of the way quickly is that uh, people don't quit the job; they quit their supervisor. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, that could be ac- that's yeah. that's pretty accurate. I mean, people quit people. Yeah, that that was more of what I was going to say. Is that you know people quit people, and then you know, in in turn, some of the reasons why they quit are because those people quit on them. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might quit a job or a place or a institution or another person. I think there's there's lots of reasons behind that, but we could probably go through some of these. And oh, yeah, yeah, I would also like to add in just kind of stuff that I hear through the the channels, the grapevine. It's a tough thing to deal with. I think it kind of, you know, a lot of times it's it's a surprise. Other times it's not a surprise at all. Um, and I don't, I'm not really speaking to any kind of level of employee or anything. When I, when I say those, I, th- I think genuinely sometimes it's nobody saw it coming. And then there's other times when it's like the writing's been on the wall for a long time and they just finally push the button, right? They, they've been filling out their resume yeah. Um, and, and then just one day they're just so fed up, uh, they just, they just send it right. And, and then who knows what's going to happen. But a lot of times because people who are in, uh, in demand, I guess I should say is you know, they, they, they do get calls and they, they do get offers and they, they do do a lot of interviews and because, uh, that it is, it's hard to find good people right now. So because the, the need is there. They they may not intend to or know what's going to happen once they push the button, but a lot of times it does lead to interviews and and it leads to job offers. So I I just thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about the reasons why. And there's no way we can list them all, right? In in the the time we're going to talk tonight, but I think there's some key contributing factors that we should talk about so that these things are on people's radar. And uh, and they can start to kind of evaluate the people that they're responsible for in their firm because really that's kind of the position I'm coming from is is being in kind of a leadership position and being aware of what's going on around you so that you don't get surprised and that you so that you can take care of the people who you've got working for you. Right. No, that's actually one of the things on the list is not recognizing contribution and rewarding good work. Right. I mean, if you're not aware of what people are doing in the office or what uh, you know, what the, what the value of of different people are then then you're not uh, recognizing those contributions yeah the number one reason that i hear and it's not the number one reason on this list i guess it, it's exactly what you said in there is one of the words you used it was was they don't feel valued and and i hear that a lot from people that i i don't feel valued people don't care about what i do they don't care about the contributions that i'm making um, and so to me, like that's a, that's a huge red flag if somebody doesn't feel valued. And I guess we could, we could try to deconstruct that a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, a few episodes ago I had told a story about, um, a buddy of mine who now works with me, um, who worked with me. And when I left, they've now left and are working at the same place I am. And one of his bigger reasons was that he really felt like um he wasn't valued i mean he was killing himself with 
extra hours, and that's one of them, but we'll get to that one later. But he was killing himself with extra hours. He was trying to show the initiative to really kind of um, take charge of a project that really didn't seem to have much leadership and really push it forward. And every time he turned around, he kept getting thwarted. You know, that's above your pay grade. Just let me figure that out. You don't really know what you're doing, you know, and just never really giving him the opportunity to succeed. I mean, you know, nobody was doing it at all. And at least he was trying. Um, and that was the thing that, you know, I saw was, you know, one of his great assets was, you know, if there's no one else there to do it, this is a guy who you can rely on, you know, picking it up and pushing it forward. You know, he's, he's young in his career and, but that right there alone shows that this is a guy who's going to, you know, I just said, get the job done, but I mean, you know, he'll, he'll do what it takes to, to really work hard and really try to learn how to become better at what he has holes in, you know, his experience. But, you know, if a project needs him, he's there for it. He'll do whatever it takes. And, and, you know, undervaluing and not recognizing the contributions as, as Neil said, you know, that's, that's huge. I mean, I, I told you a little bit further about this, this same guy and the, you know, the same story that I told, you know, a couple of episodes ago about when he got to this new place and, and he's been working on a project and, you know, one of the namesakes of the company, you know, one of the, the partners in the company, you know, uh, when the client was kind of patting him on the back, he's like, no, no, the, you know, a lot of, a lot of this, you know, couldn't have been done without that guy. And I wanted to, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we all recognize that guy's contributions. And that was huge. Yeah. In architecture, and I think this is something that is not easy to understand when you're in school. Once you actually are going to go work for a firm, uh, I don't know if it matters if it's big or small or not. I've, I've actually worked in medium to large size firms. When you are in school, you're responsible for your own work, right? But when you're at a company, I mean, that I guess could be the case, but oftentimes you're just, you're part of a team. And when you are the only person who's staying late and staying there on the weekend and working extra and the other people on the team aren't there, that's a really fast way to realize that, you know, that this whole thing is not valuable to other people and therefore your time isn't valued. Your time with your family isn't valued. And that's when you start to feel like that. I think that I've, I've noticed that when I've, you've got the, the senior project managers or the senior managers or the principals and, and they're asking you to come in and give up your weekend for no overtime, right? I mean, we're salaried employees and then they're not there with you. I don't feel valued when that happens. Oh, I've worked for, you know, many a times I've been on projects where, um, you know, we know that there's a deadline coming up, you know, where there's tons of work to do and, you know, the senior staff or even sometimes junior staff are, are like, nobody's around and I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait, why am I the only one who cares what happens to this project? Where is everybody else? Why aren't they working on this project and killing themselves like I am to try to get it done? I think that it also, that, that points out one of the other things on this list, which is being overworked, right? Yeah. Um, and just 
by killing yourself all the time, it, it you know, sooner or later you burn out. Sure. And you just can't keep that up all the time. And uh, I think that's definitely... Oh, you just get a cranky Cormac. Or you get cranky Cormac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants cranky Cormac. You're trained to do that in school, but but you know that it lasts for the quarter or the semester or whatever. Um, but but when you're out in the real world, it, it kind of kind of happens when it happens. It it could be it could be all the time. It really depends on the culture of the office and the the types of jobs and the types of clients you're working for. Yeah, in this in this article, it does point out that uh, raises, promotions, and title changes are all acceptable ways to increase the workload. But if you simply increase the workload because people are talented without changing a thing, they will seek another job that gives them what they deserve. Sure. I think that's the key to, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to take on that, or like in Cormac, in your case, where you're working hard and, and doing that, if you're not being recognized for that in some way, either with a raise or a promotion or a title change or, or something else, then you're only going to do that for so long. Well, I th- I think it depends on the person, yeah, and and it's our job, and it's the people above us, their job to figure out what somebody needs because somebody it, it could just be personal recognition, it could be public recognition, it could be money, it could be all these different things, and different people have different triggers. Um, I you know, and I, I do kind of see this. It, I hate to say it, but it sometimes is generational. Um, yeah. where whereas like an older generation or somebody in my generation might might be motivated by money or a bonus uh, more generally and and a younger uh, generation or an era might be more motivated by recognition or or time off um, it, it could be a lot of things and I think that's really just kind of our job to is to figure out what motivates people because yeah, you're right, Neil. If you don't motivate them and you just have this expectation and then it's never met with any kind of, you know, back and forth, you've, you've got to give and take. If, if, if they're going to give you your, their time, then you've got to give them something in, in return for that. And, and, you know, like it or not, this isn't the old days of, of practicing architecture where you had a job and you like it. I mean, the talent war is on and you're going to go work somewhere else if, if you're not getting what you want out of it. And that could be a huge loss for the company. I mean, I guess one of the reasons we bring this up at all is that if people aren't happy, um, number one, you need to know about it because it's expensive hiring employees, oh, yeah. right? And number two, like if if that employee isn't saying anything and then all of a sudden it's a surprise, I mean, you're you're, you're not. It's too late, right? You can't do anything about it if it gets to that point. It's funny you say that because how many times have you heard? Well, you know, why didn't you come and talk to me? Right. Um, you know, you should have told if you me just want to talk to us. Yeah, it's like you should have told me that there it. was a problem. No, it's really not necessarily the employee's job to tell you that they're unhappy. It's your job as a managing partner or a project manager or whoever to recognize that either that person's unhappy or things aren't going right on a project, and you know maybe. It's time to rally the troops and sit down and have a talk to them about, you know, hey, look, guys, you know, I know it's uh, been really rough on this project and all that other stuff. But, you know, if we can just kind of charge through it, get it done, you know, and th- and then actually have some tangible thing at the end to reward them with. I mean, you know, because there's a lot of really rough projects out there sometimes and and, you know, sometimes it may not be 
suited for them or, or whatever, but you know, they want to learn and grow and, and, and muster through it. And then that's when you sit down and you talk to them about rewarding them and, and really doing something, you know, nice for them. Mm -hmm. Well, how about doing something nice for yourself? And you know what that would be? What's the one thing we all do in our practice? Searching the internet for content, right? Well, we want to let you know about RCAT. RCAT is an online resource devoted to bringing content to the building professional. They have huge libraries you can access, and they don't hit you up for subscriptions. There are no fees, and they won't make you register to download the content. We've all been there. You finally find the right file, and you get blocked with a registration pop-up. And you think, thanks for wasting my time. I'll find it somewhere else. I quit. I'm quit. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> RCAT's BIM library is really second to none and available in just about any format you need. In fact, their entire BIM library is formatted for the last five versions of Revit. Their CAD library has thousands of CAD details. And if you need specs, the RCAT library is the most consistent library you will find. Every single spec is written in the CSI three-part format. There's so much more on their site, including catalogs, videos, and spec wizard. Go to rcat.com or download their app to check it all out. It's a great free resource that you don't have to register to use. Visit them at arcat.com. And thanks to Arcat for sponsoring this episode of ArcuSpeak. Almost sounded like Neil was descending into a Lewis Black skit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> so, guys, when what about like we were talking just before the break there um, about doing something for for the team or for you or something like that at, towards the end of a project or something? But what about when they don't follow through? They don't honor that commitment. I mean, that's one of the other items on this list here is that, you know, if the bosses aren't, aren't honoring their commitments, why should anyone else? That, that's definitely another reason why I think people, if they don't see that or they're not getting recognized and or if they're told they're going to get something, some sort of promotion or something, and they don't get it. Well, that's 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 another reason I think people leave. And that, t and that tends to happen. You know, I mean, it's. Um, all right, Neil's acting a little mopey. Let's tell him something really nice about what will happen when he pulls through all of this project. And, you know, let's dangle a little carrot in front of him. And then, we you know, when it gets to the end, it's like, yeah, let's snatch that carrot. Let's throw it down the roadway and let's keep pushing Neil. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, it, it, sadly, it does happen when uh, people don't honor their commitments and they just kind of, use you as a tool yeah, and that's a huge mistake right because you're not leading by example then you are you're making a promise you're breaking it and guess what people want to do they're gonna they're gonna follow that exact same policy right because if you do it enough it is a policy whether you like it or not and whether you would tolerate it or not it's what you're doing so if i you can't blame those people for doing that they're gonna get get the heck out of there if that's the problem right one, one thing we talked a little bit about earlier was if they don't come to you and say that they need something. Um, why didn't you come talk to me? Uh, you know, if you would have done that, we would have we would have done whatever it takes to keep you here. And um, have you guys ever seen the Netflix culture slide deck? Um, I'll, I'll throw a link to it in the show notes. But it's it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things on the internet. It's uh, 
check it out when you get a chance. Um, I threw it in there. It's it's basically this hundred and twenty four slide PowerPoint presentation that really does speak for itself. It doesn't require anybody kind of walking you through it. It, it has everything you need in there to read about the culture that they've set up at Netflix. And it's basically like an HR revolution that they've had over there. And this happened, I think, in the early 2000s. And it's, I mean, this this slideshow is amazing. And I'm looking at um, slide 96 is where it stars, starts for this part that I wanted to talk about. And by the way, this, um, this slide deck has had 14 and a half million views. Hmm. So uh, it's, it's all over. Um, but it's on SlideShare, which is part of LinkedIn. And uh, on this slide, it, it says that they pay top of market, and that's core to the high-performance culture. And what's interesting about this to me is that because they only want the highest-performing employees, they basically have three tests to see if um, they're paying top of market for a person. And the three questions they ask themselves are, what could that person get elsewhere? What could they pay for a replacement, or what would they pay for a replacement? And what would they pay to keep that person if they had a bigger offer elsewhere? And the goal is to keep each person at the top of market for that person. So you answer those questions, and if you'd say, well, I'd pay this much, their answer is, well, then start paying them that today and don't wait for them to ask. And to me, that is a huge culture shift, and that something oh, yeah. that seems like architecture in general, is not willing to uh, keep up with. But it's one of those things where why wait for somebody to come to you and say, you know what, you guys are, you're, you're not paying anywhere near the range that I should be getting paid. And and talk about not feeling valued. I realize that for the most part, it's a corporation's job to pay people as little as they can. But um, ultimately, if you've got talent and you want to keep them there and they are the highest performing in your company you know they're the top 10 percent or the top five percent why wouldn't you pay what it takes to keep them there if that is what motivates them yeah and, and it, well i mean just that you know maybe not necessarily just about the money but you know the recognition and you know um the gratitude of 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 the project manager or whoever or whatever but i mean think about the motivating factor that that has the mm -hmm. you know the the increase in productivity that that has when you actually are letting people know the value that you have on them, you know, without them having to go and ask, you know, Hey, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, potentially maybe having a raise and, and all this other stuff, rather than them having to come and beg you take the initiative and actually show them how much you value them. And yep. it would work wonders. I think one of the faults that some firms fall into, um, I know the firm I used to work for a number of years ago did this is that essentially, and this is where I think is anti to what you just said, Evan, which is essentially every year, certain time of the year, they would have everybody's reviews. And yeah. then after that, it's right. over. Yep. Like, I don't care what you did between now and 10 months from now. It's really kind of what, what do they remember you doing in the last you know, 30 days or 60 days, right? Yeah, because it's like it's like all of a sudden at the end of the year when it comes time for performance reviews and you're like, oh, crap, what did I do this year? I mean, and, and then you're you're just stuck wasting time trying to figure out all that stuff. 
that that once a year review process is is just super lame. It I'm is. not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is, but maybe we'll we'll talk more about that in the in the follow up to this one. But I think right now, I think that's a part of the problem is these annual type reviews. When uh, I think I think the other problem too is if you have like a medium sized firm, like I know uh, Evan, you work for actually a large firm. If you're doing all those reviews at once, you kind of a get a little burned out, and at some point in time. The, the bucket of money runs out, right? I mean, if you, I, I'm sure that you go into it with a plan. Okay, everybody gets this. We have some discretion here or here. And, but I mean, it's like, I don't know. It just seems like a not the right way, very much anti what you're talking about in that Netflix culture yeah. approach. Well, it's not that, you know, so, you know, we have, I believe it's like a quarterly reviews. And, you know, you're not expecting to get a raise every quarter, but right. what you are expecting is valuable input on feedback, what you're doing right, what you're doing r- yeah. wrong, what you can improve on, and ways. What, what's going to get you to the next step exactly. that you want to get to. Exactly. And those are as much of a motivating factor and a motivating tool as, you know, dangling the carrot of cash around. But <clears throat> I, I, I think that, you know, there are other opportunities, and like I said, you know, we can talk about them later. But you know that I, I think one of the key things that we keep talking about here is letting people know their value and know their worth. Well, let's talk about another reason why people quit, and that one that I that I hear a lot is that they they work for an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's somebody who's got some kind of a personality problem that is no longer going to work out, and it's like there's nothing you can do about that. Right. And so what I hear this a lot, I hear this from people, you know, it doesn't matter where you work. There's somebody that they just can't work with anymore. And so does the firm get rid of the person that nobody can work with or, or does the, the people who can't work with them end up leaving? And it typically I see it's the, it's just the latter, leaving. not yeah. the former. <laughs> That's what happened to me once yeah. I left. And so still why, there. so why is that? So why, why, why is it that those personality problems, you know, typically at the top, right? Those are those are people who've been there for a long time who have a history of this type of behavior and the, the firm doesn't do anything about it. Clients love them. They bring in and work. Do you think Okay, so it's so not here's necessarily always the case. I mean, that's that's an exaggeration. That's a generalization. But a, that's yeah, a generalization I, in in my case an exaggeration, but that's there's some truth to that. Yeah, it is. See, see, I look at it like if we know that they're the assholes, then how come the clients can't see it too? I have no idea. Because I think they can. Maybe, but they, but they're still giving them work, or they're still bringing in the work. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. But at some point in time, uh, I'd had enough. I'm, I'm done. And I know other people that left there too, but. Ultimately, if he is being, you know, he or she is being successful, I'm, it's a he in my case, uh, is is successful there, then, you know, clearly there's a personality conflict and maybe that's just what it is. Maybe everybody else loves him. It didn't work for me. So, you know, I, my option was I'm getting the hell out of here. I don't even think, I, I, sh- I guess I should say also to, that, that another facet to that general type of person is that they care more about themselves than they do about the people working for them. Absolutely. And I, as a, as an employee of a company, that's something you can sniff out real quick, right? 
and and if you aren't getting support from them, then you're likely not to support them back. And I mean, I've seen so many employees get thrown under the bus um, you by were. by yeah by certain people, yeah. right? It's like there's this trail of blood behind them, yep. and then all of a sudden nobody can work with them, but yet they're the, still the ones with the job. And those types of toxic people hurt the company in huge ways, but those those don't show up on the balance sheet. Right. People don't assign a dollar value to those types of problems. And that's unfortunate because there is good talent walking out the door. Yeah. Because yeah. of those personalities. And you know, and it really does take just one person to demoralize you. Mm-hmm. I go back to that story that I was telling you about my buddy that, you know, is now working with me at another place, you know, this guy, and it was, it was that guy, it was, it was that kind of, you know, situation where here we were working with an asshole that treated people poorly. And for some reason, you know, the, the old school way of thinking in certain clients and upper management felt like this is a guy, he's a hard charger, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care about feelings. He just gets the job done. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Not all the time is that the right way to go about doing things. And, you know, and lost a lot of people, a lot of people, not just, you know, this guy, but there was a lot of people who quit because they just couldn't work with the asshole. Yeah. There's actually a, that it doesn't say this exactly in the, um, in the Netflix slide deck, but it does talk about those types of people. It doesn't say uh, the no assholes, but but <laughs> they do refer to it. The HR person at Netflix said that they were pretty much hell bent on developing a no assholes, no bozos rule. <laughs> I love it. Which, yeah, it's just straight to the point, right? Um, that's huge. Well, you know, in in another one from the the list that we had here, which somewhat goes a little bit. Um, along with that, you know, no bozos, no assholes, is promoting the wrong people. And yeah, yeah, you're sitting there. What? Why did they get? You know, exactly. <laughs> what just happened? Am I, am I in the twilight zone? Like, I, I, I'm the one who's killing myself. I'm the one who's getting the job done. But but they're a better politician. It, exactly. You know, or and, they're liked by somebody better. That can be crazy making to see that happen. Because there could be some kind of a um, personal issue between two people, and that can lead to you just getting the shaft all the time, right? There's been, you know, situations where, like, say there's two guys who, you know, were hired at the same time. They work their, you know, way up. Both of them are, you know, relatively um, similar in behaviors and the way that they work and everything else. And... One guy gets promoted, the other guy doesn't, um, and that the guy who doesn't, you know, feels slighted by the fact that he's now left behind, and uh, you know, and, and that that's a huge demoralizing, you know, that that kind of just is a huge uh, demotivator, and and you're sitting there, you're scratching your head, it's like, well, what could I have done better? You know, sometimes it just happens to be that, well, we only had one opportunity for it. Um, but it still doesn't really help the guy who gets the short stick. I, I would say another reason that 
and maybe we can talk a little bit about solutions here, but one of the other reasons that I see people quit is that they just don't feel like uh, the company stands for what they stand for, or they don't fit the mission of the company. Or the culture. Or they may not fit with the mission. You, you said fit with the mission of the firm, or the firm doesn't fit with their own personal mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that I see more often than not recently is, you know, people people are coming out of school and they've got a clear idea. In fact, probably sometimes even more of a clearer idea than we had when we were coming out of school where we just wanted to get a job. We wanted to learn, you know, how to put buildings together and then, you know, move up the ladder. You know, now there's there's so much more that people are wanting out of their career and, a lot of these firms, um, you know, we call them the good old boy firms or the, you know, just the way that things were done in the past don't align with their with their vision of what they want their career to be. And um, after a while, they start getting disillusioned and it's like they you know, may think to themselves, well, is there anything that I can do to kind of create change from inside? And then they just realize that sometimes, no, that's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, yeah, maybe this isn't the place for me. Yeah, and I think in in a lot of cases, then that that actually is the right thing to do, right? right? And and yeah. you should not be trying to force somebody to stay somewhere where they're not being fulfilled in those kinds of ways, because it's not a good fit. And there are firms out there who want to do the things that people are, you know, what their causes are. I think that I guess that's what we're talking about here is different types of causes and things like that that people believe in. So if you want to go work for somebody who gives back to your local community, then you need to find the firm that does that. It's really hard to force a firm that doesn't have that culture into that type of position. Well, I think that that goes to one of the topics that is also mentioned in the article is letting people pursue their passions. Yeah. Right. I mean, if that's a passion of yours and the, and if the firm may not have that goal, but they might be willing to do it. Yep. So, um, you know, it, it's a matter of letting people pursue those passions because it, it could be beneficial to the firm in general. I mean, uh, we're kind of maybe not, I'm not trying to say you could change the culture of a firm because that's probably not going to happen. But if there's a specific sort of thing you're interested in, um, it, if the firm is willing to let you pursue that, it could lead to some growth for them. Maybe something new, a new product type that uh that they can move into I, I think that it could fit into a firm i shouldn't i shouldn't be so dismissive um because maybe the firm will give you the ability to cultivate that yourself within the company if you're depending on the cause that you're you're interested in going after that could be a way for you to kind of set yourself apart from your colleagues within the company and, and actually do that and have the resources of the firm help you achieve that goal better than you could do it on your own or somewhere else. So I, I shouldn't be dismissive that you should go somewhere else if your firm doesn't believe that, but it should definitely be a communication that happens and you can ask the question and you can gauge their interest and see if that's something that, that they can back you up on. Um, and if not, then then maybe the right thing to do is to go somewhere else. And how might you do that? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about our second sponsor here, David Brown International. And they are a, uh, a talent agency. Finding the right talent to join your firm in this exceptionally competitive market can feel like an impossible task. 
With everything you already have to do to run your business every day, you need a trusted partner that knows your industry and has a proven track record of success. DBI is a global leader in executive recruiting and consulting for the architecture and interior design industry. With unmatched industry knowledge and a vast network of world-class architecture and design leaders, influencers, and talent, DBI provides global recruiting, staffing, and strategy. Does your firm need to hire talent? Is your in-house human resources team looking for support? Perhaps you want to build a brand designed to attract talent on your own? DBI understands the importance of having the right design talent in the right job at the right time. Their professional team ensures that every search is tailored to the specific needs of your firm, and DBI is dedicated to delivering the highest quality results. Whether you're an architecture or design firm interested in finding your next great hire, or you're an architect that's looking to make their next career move, DBI is the right partner to help you find success. Learn more and contact the team at DBI today. You can contact Zach over there at www.dbifirm.com. That's DBI, as in David Brown International Firm.com. Or you can call 888 774 9161. At DBI, placement is everything. And thanks, DBI, for sponsoring the Speak podcast once again. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something important to uh, have in your back pocket, uh, a, a firm like DBI to reach out to. I mean, recruiters can be so, so important in, in helping you get a job. Yeah, definitely. If you are looking for a firm that meets all the causes and the needs that you have, I mean, it's great to have kind of an ally in that search process to figure out exactly what the best firm is for you to work at, right? If Absolutely. you can go through that process and they can do that research for you and say, you know, I don't think this one's the right fit for you or I think this one is the right fit for you, that that's a great partner to have in that process. And they're getting paid to do it, so take advantage of it. So one of the next things I noticed in this list here, there was like three... Is it four? No, three different things in a row that start off, they fail, they fail, they fail, they fail. And one of them is to develop people's skills, to engage their creativity, and to challenge people intellectually. I think they're all related to each other, but it's interesting that each one is that the firm is failing, just like they're maybe failing to recognize, uh, like we were mentioning earlier, why didn't you come to me earlier, right? Because they're, they've failed to to do these things. Well, I think we all know how hard it is to have all these balls in the air, right? So if you're running a firm, right, and you've got employees working for you, are you actively involved in developing people's skills? Are you actively involved in engaging their creativity? Are you actively involved in challenging them intellectually? Are you meeting all of their needs that they have as an employee? And so I guess, you know, something to just consider here is that, being a leader in a company is difficult. It is really hard to keep your eye on all the different facets that you have to. So I think it's important as an employee in a company to target exactly who you need to talk to and not make one person kind of the catch-all for all of these different things and not expect one person to be able to provide all these things for you either. I mean, a lot of this is going to have to be self-directed depending on the size of the firm. Right. Right. You've you've got to be a self-starter. You've got to figure out problems on your own. You've they can't hold your hand the whole time. And so 
I think that's just an important distinction to make. I think it, that you're absolutely, absolutely right. I think there needs to be a balance between how much you're taking initiative and how much help along the way you're getting. Yeah, there's is, there's is the way to say that. There's times when I've I've heard it both ways. It's like, well, we're we're expecting you to to lead the charge with this and to um, step up. I, you hear that all the time, right? Well, mm. we're waiting for you to step up and show the initiative and and uh, and so. I guess, you know, there there definitely is a balance there. And if, if there are strictly kind of written out things that you have to do to accomplish your job title, you know, if you've got that list and you are going down it and you're checking every single thing off, then you are doing that, right? And maybe you are ready to move up to the next level. But if you're not, you know exactly what you need to do per their list. And if it starts to get where it's subjective, whether – there's maybe things that are on that list that you don't know about because they're not written down. That's where things get really weird, right? And that's where personalities start to get in the way where somebody might have expectations that you don't know that you should be fulfilling them. Then that to me is, is uh, where you're being held back and it could be intentional, could be unintentional, but it's at, at that point, it's your job to bring it up and say, well, I'm doing all these things. They're right here on this list. I'm checking all these off. So where do you see that I need to grow? so that I can move up to the next level, if that's what you're looking for. But you can't just not say anything and say, well, they're not engaging my creativity. Right. I was just going to say, so is it acceptable to, I mean, maybe at one point, you know, it's, it's Cormac, I like the idea of the quarterly review. I mean, I think that's a good time frame to continually check in. You know, I don't know how formal or informal the, those reviews are, but uh, but I mean, if, if you're on the kind of, annual review process, that's a long time to go. And I think you do need to take it upon yourself to start to check in maybe quarterly. And it could be something as informal as, you know, at, you know sitting down at and having lunch together right? You know, I mean, or, you know. or just saying after a staff meeting or something, Hey, can I pick your brain for a few minutes? If you have time, you know, afterwards, can we sit down for a few minutes and discuss kind of where you're at? And not spend an hour at it, but maybe it's just a short conversation. But And then maybe there's opportunities to have that happen throughout the year. You know, it's not something that's a formal thing. And surprisingly enough, just having, you know, maybe just having lunch with a project manager or a project, you know, principal. And in itself, you know, maybe it's just kind of a casual conversation about, you know, your, you know, what's going on. You know, what needs to be, what you think needs to be approved or something. But just those conversations start to let you know that they want to hear from you. They want to listen to you and they're valuing your opinion. And, and that, that itself goes a long way. It doesn't necessarily have to be, as you were saying, it doesn't have to be the, the formal review. It, it, it can be just something very simple, very casual about it. And, and that right there alone kind of, kind of eases you in, you know, cause a lot of times everybody goes into like the yearly review all tense and gets a little defensive and stuff. And if it's just something as you're, you know, throughout the year, you have a little lunch here or there, or maybe you have like a semi-formal one or something like that. At least it helps you track throughout the year, you know, how your performance within the firm is going. It's not like, you know, oh, you know, at the end of the year, um, Neil, you know, you really did a, a, a really bad job and it's just like, wait, you know, you just kind of sprung this on me. Um, right. isn't this something that you could have told me a little bit sooner? 
you know, and sometimes, right. you know, these these quarterly or even more than that, they can help you kind of track it. And it's just like, well, you know, the last five reviews you gave me over the of the course of this year, you never said that I was doing a bad job, you know, so why now? Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I want to touch on one thing that I saw or that I've, uh, I've seen in the past. I'm starting to see it now being in a, in a firm again is uh, it, it, I want to approach this from a couple of angles. One, in, in the office, you need to pay attention a little bit about what may be going on around you. I mean, if you know, the office I'm in now, there's maybe some senior project managers with uh, or project managers sitting around some uh, other staff. And, and so people are on the phone and yet I still see people and they're sitting there. I understand that there's times you maybe need to get something done and they got their headphones on. And a uh, part of, I think what kind of ties into this, where I'm trying to go with this is that if you kind of recognize what the needs are in the firm, and then you can kind of tailor what you're doing to try and meet those needs. So if you're listening to what the conversation is going on around you, you have a better sense of what is needed to be done. And if it's, uh, you know, it's, if it's something that you can do, you can volunteer to do that. And that's like, Oh wow, this, this person's really taking the initiative there because maybe they, they listened or they heard something. And so paying attention can oftentimes, uh, you know, help you take some of that initiative and, and do some things. So I, I don't know, that's just a little bit of a side thing, but I think it's all part of, uh, being engaged as much as you possibly can, uh, to, to challenge yourself as much as them challenging you. Yeah, totally. You can see where the needs are and you can try to figure out how you can help make them go away. Right. Right. Or, I mean, if you're just even hearing your fellow uh, co-workers complain about such and such problem with X, whatever it might be, and you're like, oh, you know what? I, I, I know how to fix that. Or, oh, I know a, you know, a, a key command or something that'll allow you to do this. It's like, oh, hey, that's great. This person's very helpful. If you're paying, if you're not paying attention, you don't know that. You can't even volunteer some of your own talents or your own creativity to take that on. You know, just listening to what's yeah. happening around in the office, if you hear something from across the hall and it's like, if you have that ability or talent or know that it's something that's needed, then you can contribute. But that requires yeah. one thing that isn't on this list and that's trust in, so you should have trust in your subordinates and then you should have trust a- across the team. And if you don't have that trust, then. No, I I think you're, you're on the right you're on the right path there. You have to have that trust. Yeah. It's a two way thing. Not only just with your coworkers, but with the senior people in the firm. Right. Um, but I just think it's, it's important to be able to listen to what's happening, especially with some of the senior, uh, senior partners that you may hear around the office. Yeah. Um, right. So, yep. And I would also add that, that a, a tip that I would give for that type of, review process that happens no matter how often it happens is you need to find an advocate that can help make that happen for you. So it's somebody who's interested in what, what you want to do with your, your, uh, your goals, right? But, but you need to find somebody and identify them, uh, as somebody who will talk on your behalf in those meetings where they're trying to make those decisions about who gets what, 
because if you don't have that person, uh, it's a lot harder. I'll just say it that way because I've, I've had it both ways where I had a great advocate and then I've gone through periods of time where I haven't had anybody. And those are the real stagnant times in my career is when I didn't have somebody who had the ear of a decision maker or was a decision maker. Right. And so I think it's always good to kind of work on those relationships with people so that they see the value in you. And then they're at the table. If, if you're not the person at the table making those decisions, then you have somebody who is. And that's important to, to identify who that could be for you. Yeah. And I, I think just to uh, kind of put the capper on that part of, for me is that you have to decide if this is the place you want to be. I mean, we've been talking about quitting, right? If you don't want to quit, if this is a place that you feel is valuable or that you want to be at, then you need to make that effort to have that uh, either mentor or some that advocate uh, that, that Evan's talking about. Uh, you need to find that person. If that if this is the place you want to be, if not, well, then maybe it's time to move on and you, you call DBI and you know have them help you out. Yep. <laughs> so hey, let's take a, a break here. Uh, I want to talk about Drobo. Uh, this is our, our other sponsor for this episode, and Drobo. A lot of people are wondering, possibly, what is Drobo? I know Evan, you know you know a little bit about I do. Drobo. I've known Drobo for a long time. Yeah, and and so have I actually. Although I have never actually owned one, but I I do now, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. So, what is Drobo? Drobo basically is a mass storage device. Basically, it's a uh, either a connected to your computer directly, or it can. Have, uh, they have models that can work as a network attached storage. Boy, say that three times fast. All right. Basically, Trobo allows you to put in multiple drives into a case, and then it backs all that up. If a drive fails, you can pull it out, and all of your data is still safe. You can tr- throw in another drive. And it repopulates, and so that if a crash happens, you don't lose all your data. So this is really, you know, something that is very important for either your personal computer at home or small office sort of situation. Um, I mean, this happened to me actually maybe a year or so ago. I actually had my uh, one of my drives fail. I mean, it just like started up one day and all drives fail. It didn't work. Yeah, exactly. And all drives do fail. And fortunately, at the time, I didn't uh, I ha- I did have my time machine and it had the entire drive backed up. I was able to buy another drive and put all that data across there. Um, but the beauty of, of Drobo is is something that um, I can't wait to deal with this issue on my desk right now. I have like five or six different hard drives. Actually, I have I have seven. Um, five, I think four, four or five of them are actively going right now at all times, but, uh, um, it's a mess. I have stuff on one drive and, you know, time machine over here and clone over there and data over there and data over here. And it's, uh, you know, but it's because I have a lot of data, all these podcasts, uh, you know, adds up. I save all this stuff. Right. So how do you handle it? Drobo is an easy solution. It's one box, fill it with as many drives as it can hold. In this case, I actually have now a Trobo 5N that I just received and haven't yet set it up. So we'll be telling you more about Drobo in the coming episodes. And we'll take you on a little journey of my process of setting one up and getting it going and using it. And I do want to mention one of the features I'm kind of excited to try out is something that's new 
to Drobo, which is their My Drobo feature, which essentially allows you to create your own cloud for sharing files. And either sharing them or accessing them online, uh, whether uh, you know you're away somewhere else. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to trying out that feature as well. So um, that's a few words about Drobo. It's like your own uh, private Dropbox. It's yeah. like yeah, perfectly said, actually. Yeah. As you would as you would know, because you have one yeah. and you have used it. So, but anyway, so I'm looking forward to trying that out and uh, getting my data all kind of backed up and in a more of a centralized location that is uh, fault protected in case of a drive failure and uh, kind of eliminate this mess that's uh, in cables all over my, all over my desk here. So thanks uh, big shout out to Drobo for sponsoring Arcuspeak. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking more about them in the next uh, several episodes and, and taking you on this uh, Drobo journey I'm taking. That's right. So everybody can go to drobo.com to learn more about Drobos and what they're all about. They've got a lot of different models. And just to give you kind of the quick, in a nutshell, I've had a Drobo for many years. And mine is a, because I've had it for many years, it's an older model. But it holds four drives, and those can be just about any size that you want. You can mix and match. And so one of the cool things, and I just thought I would tell you about this, is this thing is running all the time. Right, I've got all these files. I've got terabytes of data on it, and because it's self-backed up, it's it's like a RAID. Um, it actually has redundancy built in, depending on how you set it up. You can pull a drive out while the whole thing's running, and it will start rebuilding itself. I can't wait to try that. It's like Terminator Two. <laughs> Just reconfigures itself. It, it it knows at that point that that data is you know so-called lost if you just pull it out. And uh, it rebuilds itself because it has all the redundant backup on the other disks that are inside there. And uh, your data never skips a beat. And so these are super cool things. And, and that's why architects who listen to the show and students should listen to this ad is because your data is backed up multiple times within the device itself. So while it's not going to help you if your house burns down or if somebody steals it, the more common thing that happens is a disk goes bad, right? And so if a disk goes bad, you're still covered. And you just pull that disk out, it rebuilds itself, and then you get another disk from Amazon or whatever, and you shove it back in there, and it rebuilds and re-gives you that space back. So listen up, everybody. Listeners to this show can save $100 off their purchase of a Drobo Mini, Drobo 5D, Drobo 5N, which is the one Neil's talking about, or any 8-drive or 12-drive system at www.drobostore.com by using the discount code ARCH100, A-R-C-H-100. Enter that when you check out, and you're going to save 100 bucks off any Drobo that I just mentioned. So what else makes an employee quit? I've got something here that I would, thought I would throw into the mix, um, and, that, and that is personality types. Uh, because we're, we're talking about kind of taking your career into your own hands here, right? And speaking up <laughs> and telling people what, what you want to get out of your career and giving a damn about who you work for and, and the company you work for and all that stuff. But I think that that's difficult for a lot of people. I mean, if we know that there are lots of introverts in this world and architecture is largely revolving around the extroverted personality type, right? We go out, we make presentations, we network with clients, we do all these things to get work and to win work and we're out there and 
doing all this stuff. But there's a lot of people in our offices who are super uncomfortable with that idea. Yeah. And and <laughs> do you know anything about this, Cormac? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just thought I'd bring it up because I mean this is this is a real problem. I mean, there's people listening to this podcast who are probably already shut it off. Who are just like, yeah, but that's I can't do that. Like that freaks me out. I'm not gonna do that. Like kind of stuff. I guess my my main point is that with personality types, it is hard for some for us to realize that these are still complete awesome top performers, and they just they do it way different, right? And and so I'm I'm saying they, you know, and 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 a lot of times it's it's us or we. Um, so don't don't get me wrong here. I what I wanted, what I want, where I want to go with this is that there are places for introverts in our firms to do amazing work, and we, as as the managers or leaders in the firms, have to recognize that, and we have to figure out the places where they can excel. And I'm I'm saying they because I'm not an introvert. You know, um, I'm married to one, and so I I really do try to understand this as well as I can. But that's really hard for people to find the advocate, to communicate what they need, to do those kinds of things. And, and so I guess the reason I'm saying this on the podcast is because I want people to go out and actively cultivate relationships with everybody, not just the ones who talk about themselves in their firms, so that they can find out what people need and what they want out of their career so that they can help make it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because there are so many people that are scared to death about going in and asking for more money because that's what they really need, right? And so they would just rather quit than have that conversation. And that happens, right? And so, again, it's up to us to, to, to be aware of those kinds of things and, and help it help facilitate those conversations to happen. And so those conversations need to happen in a private, quiet place, right? Like those are the kinds of social dynamics that have to – be made aware so that so that they're comfortable so that you can actually find out because we have we have architects working in our companies who are amazing architects and they will never give a presentation like i don't want to give the wrong impression like everybody has to give presentations you don't right uh you made it through school you did that part you got your license and now you're working in a firm and you're an amazing project architect and you don't ever give a presentation but you're super valued where you're at and we need to figure out how to make those people happy Absolutely. I think one other thing that being somebody who's new, newly working in an office again, that I need to mention as a possible reason why somebody may leave idiotic office rules that will drive anyone insane. <laughs> I don't, I've, I've got a link here that I'll uh, include in the, uh, in the show notes, but uh, I, I'm not going to go through all of these, but I, I wanted to at least mention it pointed out that it'll be in the show notes read through this list it's great there's definitely a few on here i'm not going to mention which ones that are already driving me insane but uh but anyway we will i won't get into all of that uh on this episode but isn't that kind of skewed by you running your own company for so long probably yeah totally is absolutely the longer you do this the 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 more it's like oh my gosh there's so many rules like the complexity is is way up here because because you know the the bigger the company gets like the more chaos there is right I think. and so right. then therefore the more rules there are and then it's like oh my god like how do you keep track of it all exactly exactly 
I think we should do a follow-up on this one and talk about uh, some things that we can do to keep people, but I think that's going to need to be another episode. So look forward to that one. So, uh, but before we go, I want a big uh, shout out to RCAT for sponsoring this episode. Visit them at ARCAT.com and also DBI or David Brown International, and they are DBIFirm.com and also to Drobo at drobo.com. Thanks to all of them for sponsoring this episode and visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com for links to our catalog of episodes. You can also sign up for our newsletter that includes links to everything we mentioned, including these articles we talked about in this episode. Between episodes, please join in on the conversation by leaving comments at arcaspeakpodcast.com and on our Facebook page or through Twitter. Links can be found by visiting our site at arcaspeakpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Good night. Good night. Good night. Hey!